guys. Welcome to She Knows Arsenal. My name is Jessica and I'm your host and you can follow me on Twitter at It's Jessinho. So a little bit something different. You know, I like to throw curveballs, you know, on here every once in a while. So today's show is actually going to be different. We're going to be talking about. Hold on, you guys. So unprofessional. I had the YouTube actually up, so it was like playing in my ear. Sorry. But um, yeah, we're going to do something different. We're going to talk about some MLS players that could potentially come to Arsenal. So I'm not saying that in the next transfer window, we're going to be actually looking at these players. It's just kind of like a loose variation on a scouting report. Barry Byrne asked me to do this a couple of weeks ago. And um, I decided to do it because I think it's it's interesting topic about, you know, young, talented players in the MLS and just giving, um, you know, just giving it life, you know, giving it air, giving it some, you know, getting people to understand like there's there's more to the MLS than just, you know, Zlatan Ibrahimovic going there when he's at the end of his career, you know, that kind of thing, you know. So we're just going to be having a loose conversation and you're probably like, who's we? It's going to be you and me and Sophie from the Highbury squad. Um, Sophie does amazing work on the Highbury squad, you know, talking about Arsenal. But if you don't know, she also does a lot of work for the MLS and talks about the Galaxy. So she's the perfect partner for this you know so i'm gonna go ahead and bring her in now hey self hey how you doing i'm amazing i know you're <laughs> yes you are <laughs> <laughs> i know you're um you're tired and so am i you know yes. it's like that two o'clock um at two o'clock i get like super sleepy i don't know why it's just a weird thing but um yeah, so tell me a little bit about your day, Sophie. Tell tell us about your day and what you've been up to today, you know? Um, yeah, I mean, it's been an interesting week, actually, but today has been exceptionally interesting. So I'm covering Major League Soccer's Media Week. I've been doing it for, my goodness, I don't know, the last, since 2011, I think, 2012. Um, and, you know, the, the, the league evolves and changes year on year, but basically, you know, they have three or four presses each day uh, from the commissioner to owners to um, players. Uh, tomorrow's coaches day. Today was player day. Yesterday there was Matthew McConaughey day, uh, which was totally awesome. He's a part owner in uh, Austin FC, the new expansion team that's coming out. Uh, he's the minister of culture at Austin FC I saw um, that. Jess, which is so epic. So he's doing the interview from his RV somewhere in, in the United States. Who knows where Matthew is and was. But with his my, long, with his long, awesome hair. Like totally. He's, he's so yeah. cool. <laughs> oh my God. He's beyond cool. So there's a lot of excitement and passion. And you bring up a really good point about this season more than any season, you know, Chicharito, Carlos Vela, probably two of the biggest names. There's no Zlatan, there's no Beckham, there's no Gerard Lampard, Pirlo, Kaká. David Villa, um, but there is a lot of talent, uh, homegrown talent, and I think the league is doing it right and being a little bit more um, choosy about bringing players in in the twilight of their career. And with that said, watch next next year when Messi, Suarez and Ronaldo come. <laughs> I heard Beckham talking about that. He was kind of talking about Inter Miami and, and all, you know, the inner workings of what they're trying to do at that club. And he spoke about, you know, Messi and, and Ronaldo. Obviously, he called them by their first names because he knows them. Leo and, and Cristiano, you know, that kind of thing, because he's, you know, he's Beckham. Yeah. yeah but yeah, he was yeah. talking about how they want to bring in the right players, not just any old players. You know, like so you said, they're being choosy about it, which I think is like a good thing. Mm -hmm. You know, but um, you have the older players that come in and, you know, play, you know, when they're done playing in Europe or just to take a break or, you know, bask in the sun in Miami or in L.A., you know, but you also have a good crop of young talent, you know, some homegrown from America, others for, from Uruguay and, you know, countries like that. So that's what we're kind of going to be talking about. But um, back to there's like, been, you know, there's oh, been a huge and a huge influx on South American players of course over the last you know few seasons and stuff so LA Galaxy are, are bringing in a lot of French players this year there's a little bit bit more of a mix but yeah I mean you know there's a lot of talent that will go from here to to Europe we've seen that in the past and I think we'll continue to see it sorry to interrupt you Jess no you're fine it's it's awesome and just seeing like big A-list celebrities like Matthew McConaughey buy in Will Ferrell buy-in. I think that that's mm -hmm. a big step. You know, how important is it, you know, for the MLS to get recognizable faces in and around these MLS teams, you know, moving forward? Yeah, I think 
I think at the start, you know, you had Drew Carey, Will Ferrell. You know, you've got um, you've got all you, you've got all of these kind of associated celebrity attachments. Uh, of course, David Beckham being the biggest uh, into Miami, but I think the league has always distinguished itself from utilizing that as a tool um, for recruitment and maybe season tickets and more so media impressions and getting it out into kind of popular culture uh, versus the, the the challenge that they've had, like baseball, which really baseball is a regional sport until you get to the World Series. You know, um, it's it's Amer- it used to be America's pastime. I think America's pastime now is the NFL. So uh, I, I also think now the league has found a way to stand on its own. You look at the stadiums um, that, that have been built, LAFC Stadium, you know, you've got Austin now, you've got Cincy, Columbus, uh, who have come from the brink of extinction, extinction, um, to not only, you know, rise again, but win MLS Cup again. And, and, and now, you know, having their own backyard, these things have evolved and changed. When I started covering it, even when David Beckham first arrived here, you had them playing in NFL stadiums. It looked like it was failing because no one was going. But what was happening was the culture wasn't built, the stadium wasn't built, the infrastructure. And to see it evolve the way it has over the last few years has been nothing short of really just amazing. And I don't know if you've read a book, um, maybe some of your listeners have, Simon Cooper's Soconomics. Um, I cover, I've, I've spoken to Simon a couple of times and he wrote this book a few years ago where he talked about China and the US being the next emerging markets in football. And I think China have hit a bit of a financial bubble now, but the US, the model, um, the, the, uh, the fiscal responsibility in terms of there's an even playing field. I think no relegation helps. It's a, more of an American sports formula. Yes, they're handicapped from transfers and stuff like that, Jess, in terms of being able to bring in whoever, whenever, like the rest of Europe and some other countries and leagues in the world. But there's there's a balance. And each year, everyone's got a shot, right? And if you use your DPs wisely, your TAM wisely, and now your GAM wisely, Josh Gessman from Corner of the Galaxy can explain all of that better to you than I can. Um, you know, I think I think it just gets better and better as it goes. You don't you don't have to have the worldwide talent when you're building it in your own backyard in your own country, but it does help, of course. I think that's so true, and you know, one of the the things that I really noticed, you know, because for me, I, I really haven't been paying attention to MLS consistently, you mm-hmm. know, so I'm really honest about that open that it's like, you know, spending most of my time following the Premier League, it was kind of like I just turned a blind eye to it. And then when I decided to take more interest in it, I was like, you know what, I'm going to pick the team that speaks to me the most, you know, just based from a footballing perspective. And I thought it was going to be more difficult, you know, because there's this, um, kind of like this narrative around the MLS, like you said, like the talent is just not as good. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm watching the different teams. I'm watching Seattle, watching Salt Lake. I'm watching Atlanta United. And then, of course, come across LAFC, you know. Oh. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, okay, look at this. <laughs> look at this. I mean, obviously, Carlos Velas has um, a connection to us as Arsenal fans because he used to play for Arsenal, you know, back in the day. Um, it didn't work out because he, you know, Maybe had a difficult time adapting, um, went to Real Sociedad and then ends up at LAFC. But the guy can play some football. He can mm-hmm. play. And I just connected with what Bob Bradley was trying to do, you know, mm-hmm. and tried to implement there in terms of the footballing style. And it just happened to be that the team is in my backyard, yeah. you know, so which makes it so much better. And um, yeah, the fandom here is crazy too. You know, the 3252, you know, also known as the 12th man, you know, and I think it's important for fans to feel connected from the, from the very beginning. It's something that I don't really have from Arsenal because I've only been following them since 2002 and that's, you're a new fan, you know, if that's how long you've been following them, but LAFC, Austin FC, these new teams, you can kind of start following them now and feel like you're, you're here for the ride, which is really exciting. Yeah, I I mean, look, you can be a new fan, but you can be just as dedicated as an old fan. You could be just as passionate as an old fan. And no matter where in the where in the world you might be, if you're a fan, you're a fan. And I mean, look what you've done in such a short space of time. 
you know, talking Arsenal, growing your channel, um, collaborating with really smart people and, you know, your authenticity comes through. You love the club. Doesn't matter how long you've been a fan. LAFC, I always liken them to the noisy neighbours, right? So Sir Alex Ferguson coined the phrase when Manchester City um, acquired their rich owners and he, you know, he called them the noisy neighbours and I think that's very much the case with LAFC and LA Galaxy. So LAFC have the shiny new stadium you know, they've got the sexy new brand in. Um, they've got the marketing down to a T. LAFC are the five-star team. They've had all of the glory. They haven't needed the bells and whistles. They've just gotten down and dirty, but at the same time been so smart uh, and also had some of the brightest and best stars from around the world and homegrown. From Zlatan to, to Beckham to Landon Donovan to Robbie Keane, who I even got to like, even though he played for Spurs. And I, I'm very careful when I say that out loud, Jess. But, I mean, he was sensational for them. And then, of course, someone like Robbie Rogers, who brought a whole new light to, you know, being a gay footballer, playing um, for a five-star uh, winning team as well. So they have all of that. And then, you know, down the street, you go drive down the 110, maybe mostly in traffic, and here comes LAFC with the... The, the shiny, you know, cool black outfits and the branding and all of that. And they're an expansion team, but it's added so much fun and rivalry. And I mean, superb Derby-esque type vibes and atmosphere. I mean, you go to an LAFC game and it's hype before COVID. I'll send you the videos. You can play them. I mean, that crowd are insane. The, the vibrancy, the singing, and it doesn't stop. It's like being in South America. It's like being at a Boca Juniors game, a River Plate game, you know, Sao Paulo. Um, it, it's, it's, uh, it's more exciting than being at some Premier League matches. I mean, it's unbelievable. And I, I think Zlatan helped elevate and build that rivalry. You know, as soon as he arrived, he scored that sensational goal from almost the halfway line, made his mark, boom. The rivalry really was born. LAFC could never beat LA Galaxy. And then, you know, of course, that changed um, last season, uh, especially. So I think it's, but with that said, a little bit like Man City and Man United, a little bit like Tottenham and Arsenal, they've got to win something. It's all well and good winning the Supporters' Shield. It's all well and good being MVP and being the top scorer, but you've got to win the big one. And unfortunately, they haven't been able to do that just yet. And I'm not sure this is going to be the season that they do, but they'll be there or thereabouts, no doubt. Yeah, I mean, it's it's so interesting because we're so used to our normal derbies. But when you, like you said, when you watch the LAFC versus the Galaxy, it was it was like a real Derby. Like I was very, very shocked at that, you know, and how it grew so quickly over a short period of time, you know, mm -hmm. but, um, you know, I do think that LAFC is going to be very good this year. Um, second in the power rankings, you know, uh, doesn't really mean anything really, you know, but it means that there's high expectations, you know, is there more pressure on the galaxy or more pressure on LAFC? You know, oh, point, do you think? I don't think there's any pressure on LA galaxy. Uh, Gosh, dare I say they're a little bit like Arsenal, right? Um, they've got a new manager, but they've got a very experienced manager in Greg Vanny. They've also got a player, they've got someone coming back who knows the team, knows the culture, knows the DNA of the club. He's been there, won the shirt, done it all. Um, you know, he's also won at the highest level. He came from Toronto FC. Uh, and I think that they're, they're very much in a transitional period, um, you know, their last manager, there was a disconnect. I mean, I was there, I was in the presses. They just, they never felt to be like a true team spirit. There was a disconnect maybe between the player and the manager. There wasn't a, an overtly obvious style of play. Um, but this season they seem, and I've been involved in the early preseason stuff. Greg Vanny reminds me a lot about a lot of Arteta when he first came you believe in what he's saying is very strong in his press conferences. He's, he's got his convictions. He understands what he wants to do, how to do it. Uh, and he's had to a little bit like Arteta reinvent the wheel. So you've got a ship players out. You've got to bring new players in LAFC off by far the better team. 
Um, whether or not they can bring that together when it gets to the playoffs, um, we'll see this season. You know, um, I thought they beat Seattle Sounders, uh, at, you know, um, especially in that playoff the season before last. Uh, I was at that game. It was insane. I mean, Seattle Sounders have that pedigree uh, now in this competition. And God rest his soul, since Ziggy Schmidt um, left the club, they were able, able to rebuild their own culture and DNA too. So, you know, it's going to be interesting. But I think LAFC are the better team this year. Um, whether or not they can come together collectively under Bob Bradley, um, once again, is going to be another thing. Um, we'll have to we'll have to wait and see that. But uh, I think Columbus Crew is still probably the favourite. Um, they rank number one, right? Columbus, they I are. think. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So mm. it, we'll see. We'll see. But um, yeah, I mean, Chicharito's got to show up, right? So you've got the old man United versus Arsenal uh, rivalry <laughs> in Carlos Vela versus Chicharito. Yeah, uh, he's got to show up, but he looks leaner, fitter, and um, seeing him today in the press conference, uh, he looks like he means business uh, as well as does Carlos Vela, Jess, because I asked him whether he'd give up the accolades of being MVP um, and scoring the most goals, winning the Golden Boot this season to win MLS Cup, and of course his answer was yes, I'd be desperate to do that. And I also snuck in a sneaky one about the Europa League and if he thought Arsenal could win, and he waxed lyrical about how he loved Arsenal, how he gave that Arsenal gave them, uh, gave him an opportunity to play in Europe and that he'll always be grateful to the club as well. So there you go. I love it. I I love him. He's, and he's also a a competitor. You know, they did ask him about Chicharito and he definitely threw some shade. Well, it felt like shade to me. Like, (laughs) well, well, if he works hard and scores goals, then yeah, you know, I I like that about him, but um, I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you. Both of my, my, um, options for the assignment that we had. So you guys, just to give you a, um, an idea of what, what I asked Sophie to do is, you know, we as Arsenal fans know that we need to improve the squad. So why not do a scouting report on the MLS and see what kind of players we can bring in to fill those positions. We need a right back, a creative midfielder, a maybe a defensive midfielder and a winger. So I chose two LAFC players and I'm not even, I'm not even ashamed of it. I did. <laughs> I'm, I'm not even ashamed of it. I was like, these are the players I want to pick, but um, I'll let you go first, Sophie. Cause I know you said you had a, a right back in mind, you know, I, I do. And I've been, uh, I've been, I hope I don't let you down on the assignment by the way. And I tried to focus on um, homegrown talent versus, you know, plays that have come from, other parts of the world. And here's why, Jess, because there are a lot of teams that whiffed on some US players. Mm-hmm. And I think there's been a bit of a stigma attached to American players who've gone to Europe. You know, you can ask Brian McBride that question. You can ask Clint Dempsey that question. Uh, Landon Donovan had his stint at Everton and became a cult hero, right? Uh, I did an interview with John Harks a few weeks ago. He was on our Inside the Dressing Room on the Highbury squad, and we talked about how when he was the first ever player to play in the old Division One and then Premier League, um, U.S. men's national team um, legend and was part of the 94, you know, World Cup. And, you know, we talked a lot about, you know, being the American in the dressing room, the lone star, really. And these are facts. This is truth. And there's certain parts of that that I think kind of carried through. And I think once McBride had success, once Dempsey had success, Landon Donovan, these kinds of players, it it changed people's mindset as to what the American player is and can do. And then also I think the performance against uh, Portugal in the World Cup, um, Jermaine Jones, who I had the pleasure of doing a show with a few years ago, Tim Howard's heroics in that World Cup, Landon Donovan's last gasp goal against Algeria, I think it was. Uh, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. Those moments, I think, underlined um, American soccer is on the rise. Uh, Simon Cooper's book, as I said, shows the growth of the sport. And it circles back to why I started this um, piece in the sense that People whiffed on McKenney. They whiffed on Dest. You know, you've got Gio Reyna. You've got Adams. You've got Zach Steffen at mm-hmm. City. 
you know, you've got this crop of Pulisic at Chelsea. Oh, I would have loved him at Arsenal. My goodness. What a player, right? So, you know, I think they've changed the mindset of what people think about the talent pool here now. Mm-hmm. And and so I think it's really important to 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 realize that they're not it's not just about the NFL, the NBA. That the, the game is growing here. There's a lot of talent here and I think you'll see it would be the biggest crime in the history of the universe if this crop of young United States players do not make the next World Cup. It, it, it will. And and the fact that they failed to qualify for the Olympics, those players weren't really involved. But that doesn't right. mean that the team isn't ripe and ready for the qualification for the next World Cup. So um, my first, my choice uh, when we were talking, oh, you want to go to right back. So uh, Julian Araujo is a player that plays at right back for LA Galaxy. You've seen him play, right, Jess? Yes. Yeah. Yes, and, um, you know, Julian is... First and foremost, um, he's he's very versatile. Uh, and Tottenham was sniffing around um, him a, a few weeks ago, a couple months ago. He's been looked at and scouted by a lot of top teams in Europe. And let me tell you, when I heard that Spurs were looking at uh, Julian Araujo, my heart sank. Because I was like, no, no, no. Because to me, he's the kind he's kind he's the kind of player um, that can grow, that can evolve. He's only nineteen years old, but he he has this maturity. You know, like there are some young players that look nineteen. He's got this maturity about him. Um, Julian Araujo. He played for LA Galaxy two um, uh, in in twenty eighteen. And he's played for the United States under 18, 19, 20 team. Um, and for me, he, he can play right back. He can play right wing. He's, he, can, um, he can be creative. One of the things that he really needs to work on, though, is his temperament. He had two red cards last season. But if Arsenal fans want to take a look at a player and monitor them this season or go back and look at some of their highlights from last season, Julian Araujo is the type of player that all of a sudden uh, international fans, Jess, they have no idea who uh, Dest is, but he's playing right back for Barcelona and he's playing yeah. alongside Messi. He's To me, he's that kind of player. And the fact that you've had these top clubs sniffing around him just tells you everything about him. So for me... I I like the fact that he is also a good human being off the pitch. Um, He's grown a lot in his character. I don't know if you've seen the things he's doing for the farmer community during COVID. He's been helping them. Um, He's been raising money for them. Um, He's been traveling up and down California. You know, it it stems from his background. Kevin Baxter at the LA Times, uh, top shelf guy, has written a lot about Julian's community work and, and stuff like that too. So, um, for me, he's quality, he's versatile, and he's definitely a player that I think will be playing in Europe in, um, I don't know, maybe next year or the year after. He's he's definitely, definitely got the talent to do it. I love it. I love it. Yeah, we definitely know that we need a new right back or, you know, we're looking at bringing one in. And it would be nice if we could kind of talk about this at the end, you know, maybe Arsenal getting some more contacts or having better or more relationships, mm-hmm. you know, with the teams in the MLS so that we could have some feeder clubs, you know, that would be nice. You know, yeah. um, city has already got a jump on that. Other teams have that, obviously the Red Bull, you know, um, group. Have I that mean, what, as well. the Cronkies own the Colorado Rapids. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, so I, yeah, let's not even get started on the Cronkies. I got <laughs> battered earlier this morning talking about it. The Americans, I'm like, not all Americans are bad. It's just, no, them, not. you know, yeah, so, yeah. But um, just keeping along with, you know, somebody that had bigger clubs, you know, sniffing around them, you know, um, probably about a year or so ago is um, Atuesta, Eduardo Atuesta. So uh-huh. this guy is a baller. He <laughs> is a baller. Okay, so really with this player, um, you know, I was when I was saying earlier, Sophie, that I was, um, you know, doing my research and trying to see like what team I, that really just spoke to me. You know, we kind of talked about how I like the way that LAFC plays. And I know that Diego Rossi and um, Carlos Vela get so, so much of the the praise for that team being so good. But without this guy, they would be nothing. He's what makes this team tick. 
Mm-hmm. And he's a really, really good defensive midfielder. He's able to do both sides of the ball. You know, with most defensive midfielders, you know, they're probably just good at breaking up play, but he also has a good pass on him. He's mm-hmm. 23 years old, defensive midfielder, Colombian. Um, that's his citizenship. Um, played for the Colombian under 23s. And the team that was actually sniffing around him was Ajax. So we all know that Ajax, I mean, is it's a top club top club and um, they don't just look at any old buddy. You know, you have to have a certain, you know, quality to you, technical quality to play for a team like Ajax and they like young talent, you know, and Mm -hmm. he may be somebody that would have to go to another team before we would actually look at him. But he's definitely somebody that I think could maybe play next to a Thomas party, you know, and take some of that, um, that burden, you know, off Mm -hmm. of him. You know, we know Xhaka can be a little limited, but Atuesta is not limited. He can go box to box. He can move. He has both feet as well. And um, he plays with uh, Blessing and um, Mark Anthony Kay, two box to boxy type of players. And he usually just kind of stays in his spot. But he can also play in a fluid midfield three, which is what I envision Arteta wanting to move into mm-hmm. in the future. And of course, he's a good age and I just really like the player, you know. Do you have any thoughts on Atuesta? You know, from yeah, I mean, he's really he's really super talented. I mean, he was at Median and then he came to LAFC on loan, and they signed him. And you're right that that trio has been very effective, and it's very easy to always talk about the bigger name player, but um, you know, it's like the Timbers, the Sounders, the Crew, FC Dallas. Yeah, even Philly, like they have these players that may not be household names, but they're super talented players that make a team tick. And um, he's definitely that kind of player. And it's funny you mentioned Kay because he was on the um, presser today and he was talking about the team and the expectations. Uh, I mean, it's win or go home for them this season, you know. Right. Um, they have um, they, they've been fortunate. They've lost some good players since, you know, um, since – last season, the season prior, but they've kept the core, right? Uh, And I think that he's really talented. He's only 23 still as well. You know, so he's at that really good age where with a little bit more experience here, get this year under his belt. I don't see him. I can can see him being looked at by several teams. To me, his game might suit more playing in Spain. Um, there's something about the way he plays. I think he has more time on the ball, you know, of course. Uh, every player likes more time on the ball. But he's a he is an unsung hero at LAFC. You hit the nail on the head there, 100%. Mm-hmm. And he's also somebody that, you know, you speak about the core of that team. Um, it, it is do or die for them in that core yeah. because, like mm-hmm. you said, they've lost key players and they have some, some other players that are looking like they might, get a move somewhere else. And Atuesta, I think, only has this last season with LAFC yes. before his contract runs out too. So, you know, if he has a good showing, he may be out the door, you know, but he's definitely a player that I like, you know, so you guys write that down if you're writing your little book. <laughs> Eduardo Atuesta, watch him play. He's a baller. But um, yeah, what else? What, uh, we said uh, creative midfielder. Any ideas about that? Yeah, so again, I've kind of kept it to um, US-based um, because we can look at, you know, there's the there's the Laderos of the world and there's all these other players. Um, but I, I, I really wanted to kind of focus on unearthed, maybe unknown, um, that Arsenal fans can go and, and talk about. One of the most impressive – I'm really impressed with SC Dallas's home grow uh, – academy and how they bring players through but philadelphia union have also taken on that mantra and they've brought on and and are bringing through some some really good players uh now last season i don't know if you watched brendan aronson play at all last season jess did you see him play absolute baller (laughs) that kid is so good he won't yeah he's definitely slam dunk there you got that one for sure well the thing with brendan is he's now gone to rb salzburg uh Mm -hmm. and uh you know he had a an amazing season he made the mls best 11 i think he was the first u.s player in his position to do that since 2016 um he is so versatile so so talented but here's the good news he's gone to Salzburg now and also also he he was in a deal that was worth six million dollars 
I mean, that's yeah. not cheap change for an MLS transfer at his age, especially. Exactly. But here's the good news. He has a brother. <laughs> wow. Um, Paxton um, is his brother, and he was on the MLS uh, presser yesterday along with two other young players um, on the Rising Star panel. And you guys can check it out. Paxton Aronson, uh, when he first put on an MLS shirt, he nutmegged two players and scored a goal. Um, I can't remember if it was in a preseason or friendly game, but let me tell you that they're both creative attacking midfielders, um, very talented. Uh, and and also, you know, we had a casual conversation yesterday uh, about how, you know, he likes to watch Peaky Blinders. So he's already in with the old London attitude right there. Um, but then he's also talking about enjoying uh, music from Drake because I asked him about how he keeps himself occupied when they're traveling and when he's got downtime. But very talented. And I think a lot of Philly fans were super upset when um, – uh, Brendan left uh, and went to Europe. Uh, but now, you know, Paxton's coming through. And this is really going to be his first full season. He's um, he's still young. He's got a lot to learn. He's got to grow into it. He's a bit more slight, um, needs to build up his muscle, his strength. But he's a talent and someone I think is worth looking out for. Again, the kind of player that will be in Europe and all of a sudden clubs are saying, oh, this kid looks good. The same way... Maybe they did or didn't with a Des with a McKenney, you know, um Polisic was a different ball game altogether. But yeah, very talented. I like him a lot. Yeah, I'm definitely going to do some more scouting on on him because of course I know about his brother because he he's already like in the US national team fold and he's yes. he's a really good player. He can play the false nine, he can play the creative midfielder role, he can do a lot of things, you know, but that's a really good one. That was a yeah, I like that. I like that. Any ideas about, you know, since we're on the kind of like the conversation about RB Salzburg, any ideas about, you know, Jesse Marsh and, you know, how do you feel about him and the work that he's doing there? I think he's brilliant. You know, uh, I think we all saw that. Uh, was it the halftime team talk that he did um, that went viral? Uh, you know, seeing him do what he's doing in European competition as well, you know, not as easy uh, when your resources are limited. Uh, I think eventually he's the kind of manager I think that deserves a shot. And I say, you know, bigger club, and I mean that with respect. But I think he's done an amazing job. I think he's really good with younger players. Um, he also understands the um, the, U the US game, the psyche here, um, scouts players here as well. So yeah, I like I like Jesse. I'm a I'm a I'm a big fan of his. I like his um his attitude um and how he man manages plays, which is really important in the modern game. So yeah, and I think a coach that's doing you you know US soccer proud uh, abroad. If something were to if it didn't work out with Arteta, would you take him? <laughs> would you take him? You know, you got to caveat it. You have to say, I'm not saying Arteta out. I'm not what? saying, you know, da da da. But would you take him? What if I took the other RB coach in Germany? How about that one? I'll take Nagelsmann instead. I'll, I'll, and then if he can't do it, then we'll take Jesse. <laughs> Did you see the news about him, though, that he may be going to Bayern? It's yes. kind of like an, a done you know, deal situation. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty yeah. interesting, but I'd rather see him there than at Spurs. Imagine Spurs thought that they were going to get Nigelsman. You're not. You have Jose Mourinho. So, yeah, I mean, Good Spurs, <laughs> Spurs again, noisy neighbors that actually, you know, I mean, it's down. Hopefully they won't win the League Cup. Um, I can live with it if they don't. I, I wouldn't bother me as much as them, you know, in, Feb in, in December when everyone thought they were going to win the league for crying out loud. Well, they, but yeah, they did win it. They did in December. They, the they, they won the December up into December league. No, that's, that's the pretty one, much right. what they did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. Too funny. Oh, Too funny. But yeah, so yeah, that was just like a little pivot. I wanted to know what you thought about Jesse Marsh. I personally think he's a really good coach for, for young players, and we have mm -hmm. a good little crop of them. So, I mean, if it came down to it, I wouldn't be mad if he came to Arsenal. But again, I'm not saying Arteta out, you guys. Don't come for my neck. You know, what, my Jess, neck. you know what, Jess? You know what, Jess? You can't criticize Arteta without someone thinking you're Arteta out. <laughs> I think you've heard my pain many <laughs> times on our show. Uh, it's okay to criticize Arteta without wanting him to get fired. Okay, people, let's just put that out there. Pretty sure. much, pretty much. So 
we'll get back to the assignment. So of course, again, I said that both of my choices are from LAFC. Um, this is my winger choice. Um, the moment I saw the kid, I was like, wow, he's really, really good. Um, it's Diego Rossi. Um, what, what can you really say about him? Wow. I think he's skillful. He's quick. He's aggressive. You know, he does flop. He, he does like a good role on the grass, you know, but, um, I like him. He's from Uruguay, um, 23 years old, left winger. So, you know, I think the left wing spot for Arsenal is a little bit, um, confusing at the moment because we don't really have a true left winger to play there and um, he can play all across the front three he's he, he looks really good with Vela and when Rodriguez was there I thought it looked really nice when they were you know switching positions and yeah that was a good combo yeah like the kid like him a lot um he's somebody that I feel like will be in Europe sooner rather than later and um you know I think a lot of these these guys are going to go to you know the Copa America and um, that's where they're going to get really looked at and, and end up somewhere else on in teams in Europe. You know, what do you think about him? So, yeah, I mean, you know, he's, he's one of the most expensive exports, isn't he, in MLS history? Mm -hmm. um, but he's very, very talented. Um, and to be honest, I thought there was a time where he and Christian Pavon, um, Christian Pavon was a, another player that I wanted at Arsenal for for a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, saw him play LA Galaxy a lot, super talented. In fact, uh, I asked Zlatan when I was covering him about Pavon and, and Zlatan was always a bit naughty, as you know, um, that said he's too good for MLS. He should be in Europe and one day he will be um, about Pavon. Um, now Pavon has his own issues, of course, and, and hopefully he can overcome all of those. But Diego Rossi uh, is definitely the unsung hero. What I like about Diego Rossi is that he proved that He's the team is more than just Vela in the MLS's uh, back tournament. Um, you know, when Vela couldn't play, his wife was pregnant, the bubble in Orlando, Diego Rossi stepped up. Um, he became more of a leader in the team. You know, last season he was the MVP. Uh, I think he was undoubtedly um, the best player in the league. Very nimble, very talented, very quick thinking, very quick feet. Uh, and He's the kind of player, like, I'm not saying he's Ozil, right, at all. Please don't take this wrong. But, I, like, Udegaard, he thinks two steps ahead of everyone around him. So there's going to be times where it looked like he might make an errant pass. But actually, the player he's passing to should have been on the same wavelength as him. And that happens to Arsenal a lot when they, you know, because we haven't had super smart players over the years, um, which is why Udegaard's made such an impact and been such a difference maker. Thinks two steps ahead, always um, smarter than everybody else around him, makes things happen and sometimes players don't read that. And I think Diego Rossi um, is one of those players too. And I think he could fit in to a lot, of, a lot of different teams. Not saying it's City, United, Chelsea or any of those, but he could definitely fit in um, into any decent team in Liga, Bundesliga, um, Syria. Um, La Liga um, or Premier League. I absolutely love the kid. Um, 2020 MLS Golden Boot winner, yep. MLS Best 11 and MLS Young Player of the Year award. You know, he was definitely up there, you know. So, and like you said, he kind of carried the team a little bit last season. And, you know, um, strikers go through, go through periods. So, you know, sometimes you need somebody else to step up. And, and he did that. And I really like this player. Do you think this is his last season with LAFC? Yeah, I, I, I would imagine like, so if I had to give like a, a prediction is that um, honestly, I think this entire team is going to look different next yeah. season. I think I, it's going to be a lot of shifting. I think this is the end of this core. They'll have to rebuild. And that's why it's important for them to win something this time around because some of these players are just going to go on to do different things. You know, but as long as they can maybe keep Vela, you know, and then build around him again, we go again, you know, but in regards to Rafi, I think he'll, he'll do, move on. Do do you think, do you think that Vela though too, because there were rumors about this last season where, you know, even Zlatan, even at his age felt he had one more shot in Europe. Do you think Vela thinks he has, he seems very committed and settled here. I don't think he feels he needs to move for his legacy at all. But every player has that itch at some point. 
if they're given the opportunity to go back. Do you think do you think Vela's that kind of guy? Oh man, I, I you know, I, I have to say I don't think so. I think he's he spent his time overseas and he looks really at home. Mm-hmm. Whereas like maybe some of the other players didn't they didn't seem as rooted in mm-hmm. the MLS as he does. I think this is where he belongs. You know, I'd be very shocked to be honest if if he did leave, but maybe there's some unfinished business, you know, you never really know, but um he's still young, you know, so if he did go, you know, would it be like, wow, you're going back, you know? I yeah, uh, I I actually think if they don't win an MLS Cup with him, considering the hype how he's become the face of the league, the darling of the league, I think it will be a failure on LAFC's part. And I think they will think it's a failure too. And I believe that they feel like they should have won two in a row, you know, Um, and somehow they failed at the last hurdle. So, yeah, it's kind of do or die now. They definitely Mm -hmm. have to get it done this season. Um, There was just a couple of questions for you, Sophie. Sure. I, I can't really see where that comment went it's gone now i'm sorry if if but i remember what they asked they asked about the um relegation you know yes. aspect of the mls and how the obviously the american owners in the in the premier league are interested in getting that same the similar model you know in the uk <sighs> what do you think about that do you think that the mls should adopt a relegation aspect and how do you feel about them trying to get that that type of rule taken away it's, in in it's, the Premier League. It's always an interesting question. And this came up actually, I had a conversation with Tim Howard about this um, two or three years ago at MLS Media Day when he was still with the Colorado Rapids. Uh, man, I should have asked him at the time to put in a word with the Cronkies. Miss, missed opportunity. Um, American players who play in Europe love it, right? But the American sports model doesn't really allow for it. Unless you integrate and make it like uh, the UCL team, the UCL teams coming up automatically, MLS has a business model. I mean, it's it's hundreds of millions of dollars now to get in for an expansion team. You've got to have major investment, major dollars in order to get in. So there's a business model that they don't really want to tinker with too much. It's worked. It allows for fiscal responsibility and even playing field. So I don't see that as an option, which is why they tinker with the playoff rules when they do like every every other season or have done. Um, I think that's where they'll try and make the game a little bit more exciting. As for now, I just don't think it's built and the infrastructure is there for promotion relegation. Um, you know, same with baseball, you've got the minor leagues and then you've got, you know, the major leagues, it would probably be seamless and easy, but it's just, it's just not the model. It's not what fans are used to, but can you imagine even in the NFL, like there's three, two or three games left, Jess, and they're playing for something so often it gets to the last month of the season or three weeks of the season and, and teams aren't playing for anything. And I think that's where fans want more value and bang for their buck when it comes to uh, competing in the major leagues across all of the U.S. sports. It's a little bit tough, though, here because of the way things have been set up. Mm. That's really interesting, especially because, you know, with that European Super League, that's essentially they want to close leagues so that nobody can get relegated so that they right. can kind of implement that American sports model. And quite frankly, I just think, you know, I enjoy it with the MLS. It's perfectly fine, but I don't want to see that. You know, right. I, I really, really don't. And I don't think the fans, you know, that have been watching this, this type of, you know, um, the relegation and promotion, if you take that away, it takes away from something. I don't, that would be a hard yeah. thing to overcome, I think. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I love Germany in the sense that there's playoffs even for the bottom teams, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's very exciting. They've talked about tinkering with the Premier League even and maybe doing that. Can you imagine if there's a playoff between Newcastle and Brighton? Uh, I mean, they're going to play uh, Newcastle and Fulham are playing each other in the last game of the season. So Fulham can keep it up. That would be an insane game, but actually making it official like that. So even till the, to the end, you have a shot of staying in the premier league. 
Mm. Um, so, yeah, I just I think the American sports model, the infrastructure set up so much that it would be very it would take years to implement something like that. And I just don't see it happening. They've talked about it too much over the years and they can't find any solutions. Mm. Yeah, 100 percent. Yeah. I'm not interested in any anything like that in terms of closing it off. But yeah, Enrico says, question just for you. Um, Enrico says, I'm a Roma fan and I want your opinion on Reynolds. You know, what's his ceiling? I mean, you know, Roma continue to do really well, right? I mean, Roma's one of those. T- I've, I've loved Roma since the Totti days um, and the, just, just, uh, what's it, Giannini days. Um, great team. Uh, I think, you know, once a player gets to Europe, let the ceiling be as high as you want it to, right? Mm -hmm. I think that's the key. Once you get a profile and you can play for a team um, like that, um, it's down to you. So I I honestly feel like it's down to him how far he can can go. Wouldn't you agree with that? Like, for for example, um, I know that, you know, Dest is at Barca, um, you know, Rainers at Dortmund, you've got McKenny at Juventus, you've got Adams um, uh, playing a top level team too. Look at Zach Steffen. I'm sure he thinks the ceiling is so high for him at City because there's going to come a t- come a day where Edison can't play in goal, right? Mm-hmm. So for Reynolds, I feel like he, I think the, the sky's the limit as much as he wants it to be. Um because it's hard to tell right now. It's always down to the player once they get the opportunity. Is he going to work hard? Is he going to put in the hours? Is he going to graft? Is he seeing other uh, players around him doing really well? Uh, so, yeah, why not? Um, and fun to watch, right? Fun player. I love it. Yeah. yeah. I like it. I like seeing, you know, the announcements every so often where this, you know, this kid from the MLS, you know, that is is going to a team in Europe. And I think this this aspect of like, what is somebody ceiling? You never really know because there's players that we thought, you know, maybe like a Jack Wilshire that had a very high ceiling, but because mm-hmm. of one reason or another, it just didn't work out. So, you know, I'm careful about trying to predict a young player ceiling because you just never really know. But if you do get to a team in, in Europe, man, you got to be something, you know, so let's just hope that they do well. And this is where I go back to FC Dallas. You know, they've, they've, that's talent, right? I mean, look what, look what um, the amount of talent that we're seeing. And I think eventually it works because some of these players will come back one day, someday, you know, Dempsey came back, um, you know, Michael Bradley came back and uh, Michael Bradley wasn't there. I I think this crop of players are better. Uh, I think they're more talented. I think their platform is bigger um, and I think that the sky's the limit. So, yeah, um, I think I think for Brian, you know, just keep ha- at it, keep your head down, keep working and, and why not believe that you can strive higher and bigger and better? No doubt. 100%. Well, you guys, you know, um, this actually went much better than I thought it was going to go. I mean, obviously <laughs> I knew Sophie was going to be brilliant. I knew there would be some people in the chat, but I think the conversation really flowed and it was, a, it was interesting. I loved it, you know, and um, I did want to have, you know, just announce my new podcast really quick. Um, If any of you guys care, I don't know if you do, but Hey, I'm just going to put it out there anyway, that um, my new podcast is called LAFC radio and it's just a weekly podcast talking about LAFC and their games, match previews, post-match shows, and some team news. And um, the pilot episode for that with Gio Garcia, who who you know, Sophie. Yes, um, good guy. Went, went really well. And it's actually up on YouTube now, probably Very on Spotify cool. as well. And it should be on Apple sooner rather than later. So the link will be in the description box if you guys want to check that out for me. Subscribe to the channel and get into that LAFC I know you'll love it. But Sophie, this has been awesome. What have you got going? Um, well, tomorrow is the day. It's the day. <sighs> Jess, I don't know <laughs> how much sleep I'm going to get tonight, but tomorrow is the day. It's the biggest day of the year for Arsenal Football Club. It's funny, I was saying to Kev, I feel like every week I say, this is the biggest game. This is the <laughs> biggest game. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's massive. It's a huge game. Um we have to win. I'm not even doing any predictions. We just have to win the game. Uh, there's no no two ways about it. You know, I'm not saying we need to win the Europa League to get back into the Champions League because we can win the Champions League. We need the moolah. 
We need the fiscal element of it, what it brings financially to the table for Arsenal, especially in a COVID year where things have been tough and rough. Arsenal need European football. Stop with this nonsense of, oh, but if we skip European football for a year, we could be better in the Premier League. No, we can't. We have a long way to go in the Premier League. It's not going to be easy. We're going to have to suffer through more pain, be patient. I mean, it's going to, Arteta, I think, keeps his job, whether he gets knocked out of the Europa League or not, whether he finishes 11th, 12th or 9th. Um, they're going to give him this transfer window, I believe. But I'll tell you something, Jess, if he's in the same position come October, November in the Premier League and we have not improved, that's when I think no one can argue with pulling the trigger and saying au revoir or au chanteur or no, adios. Have I, did I find the right language yet? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because then it would be almost two years and we have to improve in the Premier League. But for now, this is it. This is our biggest game. So... Let's hope for the best. Yeah, let's hope for the best. I just want to prolong the meltdown, to be honest. Like, I just want to get through so that I can relax, you know, because I am stressed, you know, Me like you are. I don't know how much sleep I'm going to get. But that being said, you know. I- I'm eating my way through it. I-, I just literally just had a meatball sandwich. Um, I'm off. I-, I just want it. I'm eating my way through until tomorrow. So that's how I'm dealing with it. I'm not sure how you're dealing with it, I- um, but that's how I am. Well, it's going to be somewhere over on that bar, probably a little bit of Jack Daniels <laughs> or something like that, but less, less, less of that, less of that. So, um, yeah, tomorrow um, I'll be on Arsenal Vision for the live stream before the game and then after the instant reaction on the She Knows Arsenal Instagram page. And then we can talk about the post-match thing after. It really depends on what happens if I even want to show up for that, you guys. I mean, I just, I just, I can't, you know, so um, yeah. I have, I have to show up on our post-game show, unfortunately. Um, but you know what? Win, lose, or draw, you've got to be there, Jess. You've got to be there no matter what. I do. I'm scared, Sophie. I'm scared. But um, no like fear. No fear. <laughs> you're right. You're right. So like the video, subscribe to the channel, and I'll see you guys in the next one. Bye, y'all.